during this month of August, there's so many people that are to be celebrated for these 31 days. I thank you for those that have already, whose birth dates, uh, have the anniversaries of their birth have already been uh, recognized. But the, this entire month is a month of fruitfulness. It is a month of returns. It is a month of miracles. It is a month of new beginnings. It is a month unlike any that we have known thus far in this year. It is a month where there will be a true distinction and a demarcation between that which is righteous, that which is Goshen, and that which is uh, uh, choosing to try to oppose the plans of God. I thank you for expansions, for elevations. I thank you for being able to sit in a seat in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, not just any seat, but front row, and sitting in him, and being able to see through your eyes, Yeshua, and to think with your mind, and to speak with your tongue, and to say what, you, what the Father has given you to be said with this dispensation, this era in which we are in. I thank you that we are not moved by what we see. We're not moved by the media. We're not moved by all of the, the, the discounting of your power. We're not moved by doubt. We are moved by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you for love. You love us. Every single day of our lives, we awaken loved by God. Every single night. We go to sleep loved by God, and all throughout the day, we are loved, the beloved of God. And I know we don't necessarily have a true comprehension of what that means, but what it tells me is that there's not a person on this earth that is loveless without love. There's not a single human being that you do not love. None. There's not a person, not a man, not a woman, no matter how vile or reprehensible their actions may be, no matter how dirty they have been or lived their lives, no matter how shameful or all of the condemnation that may have come against them, there's nobody in this earth that goes without love because you love us all. I pray for those, though, that have been shamed by churches. I ask you to forgive us for religious systems that told people that they were discounted, they were, they were excusable, and they didn't, uh, they weren't to be registered within because they were not our kind. And I, I thank you that I get the opportunity to repent for the sheer stupidity that has sometimes come out of people that were supposed to be leading a body, but they were really doing something different. Thank you for forgiveness of that. But I also say as King David, that's not us. That's not the church. That is not your heart. And so we pray for redemption and for a turnaround. And I thank you for those that were convinced that you accepted them, whether people did or not. That they are strong, strong people. And that they will continue to push through because you're just so good that they, if they don't get along with the people for a minute, there's no fine people that they can't get along with. But in the meantime, they will focus on you. And that's the best way for us to be. So I praise you for all of these different things. In the name of Yeshua Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay. So, <laughs> praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I want to clear up. Well, let's see. Let me respond to this first. Here. 
Jesus. Thank you for all the help. to the kingdom of God, of course. I want to talk about how good God is and um, some things that I've recently experienced that I believe will be relevant for everyone. I'm not going to go into all my personal stories. I think they're interesting, but, you know, nevertheless, it's not necessary. But I want to look at the Word of God, and you know, because you can find your stories in the Word. Everything that pertains to something about each of us, you can find it in the Word of God. There's somebody somewhere whose life is paralleling where there's a sentence, there's a storyline, even if it's not a major storyline that you're thinking, wow, I can kind of relate. Sometimes you're reading along and you, um, you see something and you think, well, how did I miss that? How did I never see that before? Uh, because the Holy Spirit shines a light on it. If you've ever looked at jewels, and you notice when a, when light hits a, a stone a certain way, then you see things about it that you never saw before. So you see the brilliance of the diamond differently. You see um, sparkle in people's eyes differently. You look at people sometimes uh, that you've known for a while, and suddenly you see a change. I had an experience this past week where I was talking to a friend, and she was breaking through, breaking through, breaking through some different things, and she was expressing such a willing heart for the Father to be able to, to talk to her and to, and to do things through her, that as she kept pressing and she kept pressing and she kept pressing, um, we're all talking. Now, we've experienced this in when we do bloodline cleanses and suddenly something happens and the words are released mm -hmm. and the individual's countenance just absolutely brightens. It's like the light switch is flipped on on the inside of them and they look younger and all kinds of things because the glory of God and the goodness of God has touched their lives. Now here we are, we're sitting there in my house, we're not doing a bloodline cleanse, but we're friends and we're talking and we're fellowshipping. But she's pressing and she's pulling and she's going after what the Lord is saying and, and she's knowing, I've got to make changes, I have to make changes. And she's expressing willingness and the, the, the power of the Lord. It wasn't a, a great big boobs kind of uh, manifestation. It was a very gentle, beautiful, touching, expression of his love and I looked at her and I looked at her again and I was very I sounded mayhap a bit nonchalant I'm blessed to have been able to see this numerous times and I know that I get to see it often more when, when somebody comes through that place of deliverance but I looked at her and it was like I saw the transformation and I said wow isn't this wonderful I said um, you've dropped about 15 years and she says, what? I said, look in the mirror. And she goes and she looks in the mirror and she goes, what? What? That was her whole vocabulary. What? <laughs> she says, no. What? What? She says, it's your mirror. I said, sure it is. Go look in that one because I got mirrors all over the house. And uh, so she goes over to the one I have, the full length mirror that's right, um, well, it's in the hallway so that you can check everything before you walk out the door. And she stands in the full-length mirror and she says, guess, what? <laughs> Again, yeah. what, what? 
And she just kept saying, she goes, it's your mirror. I said, sure, it's the reflection. My mirror reflects what it sees. And she stood there. So finally, I just had to flick on all the lights and take a picture of her, you know, the overhead lights and all that, to take a picture of her. I took two and I gave them to her. I said, you know, what? I said, this is what love does. It changes you. It absolutely changes you. And that's what she experienced. And it was so, such a privilege. I don't take it for granted. Every time we've ever done it in the blood lessons, I don't take it for granted. Every time something is handed down from the courts of heaven, sometimes somebody gets good news, something amazing happens to change things in your life. I don't take it for granted. But I do take it. You know, I take it as a, as a recognition of God expressing his love, of God showing us this is what my power does and the most awesome part about it is that he does it with word word his word okay so um are we live by the way i just started talking so i really don't know cool okay well for those that are joining us online i want to welcome you to kingdom conversations i have to get used to that else i'm going to be saying welcome to kingdom 101 um, in a different format. But you are uh, joining us here at Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship in San Jose, California. All of that information, address and so forth is probably listed on the Facebook page as well as at some point during tonight, it will be seen on the screen. So what I want to do, we've, we've prayed, we spent time talking to the Lord. And I am gonna, as I said, through some testimonies and some things that have been transpiring. There have been all kinds of attacks and things that, that happen in life. Last week, there was a breakthrough that happened right at the end of our program when one of our own was asking a question. We were talking about surrendering. We were talking about the hidden things and letting things come out, you know, and, and walking in obedience, learning the things that the Father tells us to do and just doing them or picking up where we left off or something along those lines. And I was asked a question somewhere along the lines of when it's, easy for you, you know, something that, that I do pretty much all, all, all the time. As a writer, I'm constantly uh, coming up with new projects, and I mentioned that I probably have, oh, I probably have uh, about 20 to 30 unfinished writing projects, various stages. I have fiction, I have nonfiction, I have essays, I have blogs, and I had hit after, you know, some things went on with my vision a couple of years back, I kind of hit a place where I got a tremendous, what some people would refer to as writer's block. But what I realized is a demonic attack. It's something that is an assignment to hinder you from fulfilling what you're called to do. And I was not aware of it being as such, so I didn't think of it being such a thing. And therefore I did not, let's say, treat it appropriately. It never, it was not addressed at all. Um, it, it was not addressed at all. It was simply, catch this, what I'm about to throw, okay? It was simply something I accepted as a part of where I was in my life. I accepted that, while I kind of feel tired, I feel a little depressed about things, or maybe, you know, I, I just, I don't seem to have, my ability to write, and I, because of, I, my vision had been impaired for a season 
kind of funny, I have 20-20 vision, but I have artificial lenses. So I can see really well, except for when the lenses don't, you know, reflect, they don't, they don't really uh, dis make distinguish, uh, too much distinguishing between shades of black, for instance, because everybody knows you wear black clothing and unless it's the exact fabric coming from that line and the dye lot and so forth, then shades are, are different. We can match them. Um, we'll do things to pull, pull things in place or something like that. But actually, um, it depends on the dye lot. It depends on the thread count. It depends on so many different things, how the fabric is treated. All of those, so no, no two blues, no, no, no. Even the stripes of, of manufacturers and garments, you see the difference between a quality plaid project and a cheap one. Okay, because when it's cheap, the 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 the, the, lot, the blocks don't line up. Um, of course, I learned this from a crying thing, but that's uh, all right. At least I learned it. <laughs> but but the, every nothing lines up the way it's supposed to. You'll see that they're jagged lines and. And, and this, I have a master seamstress in here, and so you probably know what I'm talking about, that you look at the, 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 the fabric itself, it's cheaply made. It, it wasn't made with care, it wasn't hand-stitched, things were not put together in alignment. And so you can tell the difference between a well-made garment. Somebody says, well, it doesn't make any sense to me, this and this look exactly alike, so why should I pay $250 for this one and pay, when I could get this one for $19.99, this because you're gonna get $19.99's worth of wear out of that one, and you get $250 wear out of the other one, it's up to you. But if you're that kind of person that gets bored with your clothes, pay the 20 bucks, you know? And look fresh for a few and then get rid of it and go get something else because it's not gonna last. But my point is, is that you're looking at things that appear to be the same, but, but you can make the distinguishing when your vision is proper. When your vision is artificial, you can see to a certain extent but you don't get to see everything as clearly as it may really be. Now, when they first did the surgery years back, and they only did one eye at a time, and so when they took care of the first eye, and I'm sitting there with an eye patch on, which is kind of funny because you're pretty blind then because you can't see much out of one eye, and the other one is patched up, so you can't see a thing. So they took it off, and I noticed color and I mean I saw vivid color my vision had been dimming for years wow. so even though I had at that prior to the surgery I had my natural lenses my natural vision was not accurate and the more that the that the uh, lenses themselves were wearing down or the cataracts were growing over the eye, I was not able to see clearly. You know there's a spiritual parallel to this, all right? So all you geniuses can just kind of draw it down, draw it down. Dollar ones, so they're like little silver discs in my eyes, my heavenly ones will be golden. Okay, I've already put that order in, and it should be delivered soon. But my point is, is that even with the artificial, after the surgery of the first eye, when they took it off and I was sitting in the waiting room looking and suddenly I noticed the blues and I noticed the greens and I noticed colors that I had not seen before. 
and I realized it was like a very fresh look because these things had been like any um, people that like steamed vegetables in here, it's like steamed green beans or steam. Okay, beautiful, vivid, bright color. Anybody like southern style food? Dull green, baby, dull green, because it stays in the in the in the sauce or stays in the in the um, the pot liquor, as my brother would call it. It stays in that pot until it's really absorbed the flavor of the pork or the this or the that. I'm not going to try to do a cooking show right now, but I do know what I'm doing. When I'm doing All right. So, um, but you look at, I mean, the taste. Is, is what you want it to be because it's absorbed all of the water and it's absorbed all of the seasonings and the things in the water. Uh, trick to you if you're trying to cook southern, it's not the beans, it's the water. Season the water, okay? Fix the water. Make sure that the water is happening because if you get the water right, then the meal will come out just fine. So thank you and please come back again for more helpful cooking tips. Right. So, so, but the vegetables, Unless you put them in, I mean, you know, if you're a health official or I mean, a healthy uh, eater, don't bother with the southern stuff, not that stuff, because people don't want that. They want the saturated, you know, wonderful taste, buttery taste and all that. But the color is sacrificed. All of the bright green and pretty much probably all the nutrients, hello people, we're not eating that food for nutrition. Okay, that's for that's that's something very different. Okay, so but when you do, you notice that the greens or the green beans. I'm thinking really of green beans. They're almost brown. They're dull. They're gray. They've, have they been leached of color? They have not been leached of flavor, but they have been leached of color. And that's what it was like for me, um, going to looking at southern style cooked food and then moving over to freshly steamed, bright green. That was the distinguishing thing for me in the colors. You understand what I'm saying? That's what the lenses did. That's when I was able to see things that I had not seen before. So, um, let me see. Why am I telling us this? I'm telling us this because you can go on and go on and go on in your life thinking that you see clearly. And if you're not getting your information from one source of truth, then you're going to have a distorted vision or you will be able to see certain things. You can have a, sur I had a surgery on both eyes. And so I can see, and like as I said, I pretty much test out at 2020 in my vision. I don't wear glasses, I don't do any of that, but when it's dark, I don't always distinguish the shadows. When I, I don't have the issue, you know, when, when bright lights come, it kind of hits the lenses. It's hitting the artificial and it's bouncing off. Are you catching what I'm saying? So that even though I have much improved vision, I don't have heavenly. That's not God given, that's man made. And man made is never going to be as good as God. Never going to be as powerful, no matter how powerful a man-made anything is, whether it be an attack or a remedy, a sickness, a disease, a virus, or a remedy. It's never as powerful as what God says. It's never as powerful as what God says. And one more time, I will say that. No matter what man does, it's never as powerful as what God says. I said, do you notice? I didn't even say what God does. I said what he says. You will see better 
when you see through his word than you will through your natural understanding. And let that be a lesson to you. You will see, say it, I will see better. I will see better. When I look through God's word than when I look through my natural eyes. Is there scripture back up for that? Yes. The things that are seen are subject to change. But God's word is eternal. What you see is not always what you get. Okay? But what you say is what you get. The world says what you see, and that comes from way back. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Um, my response to that is except for when it's not. Because I've seen many things I wanted and I didn't get them. Me too. That's a whole other conversation. Thank you, Jesus. I've seen many things I thought that would be good for me. And it never came. It never got to me. It was never delivered. And at this day, I finally learned to say thank you, Jesus. But at that time, I was not feeling very grateful, not feeling very thankful, right. not feeling like God was very nice to me. Okay. Okay. Um, I was quoting that Second Corinthians chapter 4, so let's go over there and use that as a foundation for this part. And I want you to walk away with that as a, as a word that the Lord is speaking to you. Because I think that uh, I must be speaking to somebody that is disappointed because you're not getting what you thought God was going to give you. And everything that you laid your little cute eyes on, it's not coming your way. And things that you looked at that you thought, no, that's not really what I want, Lord. It's finding you. And some of y'all are not happy about that. So, um, zippity-doo-dah, all right? <laughs> In the Amplified, it says, I, I want to go, I love this passage of scripture. You all know I, I go to 2 Corinthians 4 pretty often, all right? So let's just go, um, let's start with chapter, uh, verse 7, where he talks about how we possess this precious treasure at, at, in vessels of earth, in us. This treasure of Jesus, this treasure of the word of God, this treasure of anointing, this treasure of power, this treasure of eternal life. We have such a power-packed, juicy, good thing going on the inside of us that most of us do not tap into. Um, I don't know how many of you live good Christian lives, but I can probably guess that you're bored at some point in your good Christian life because you're in control of that. And you live in a good Christian life, but you're not living a Godward life. You're living a rule, uh, a rule-directed life because a good Christian follows the rules. A kingdom citizen goes on an adventure. We go on an adventure. You know, what we, what I was saying earlier, I'll finish this thought. What happens is that you and I, uh, these things happen to us, and we expect it. We think, well, you know, this is where I am in my life, so my vision's going to go. Okay, well, this is where I am in my life, and so I guess it's just to be expected that these are the kind of things that will happen to me. And you find yourself agreeing with something that God did not say. The Bible says, with long life, I will satisfy you. I will, you know, with long life, I will bless him. I will show my salvation. I will give you these things. And we think it's okay to die at 65 and 70. Statistically speaking, the, the, the people that refer to themselves as millennials, and if you're born from above, that is not you. Except spring chicken. That is not you. But they, they don't, they hope to live to 30 or 35. 
Why? Because this world that they have are it dominates their beliefs and has taken them to a place. Shut up. Pay up. Well, how do I say this? Presented them with a lie, and they have eaten it. And they believe the things that they've been told about themselves, and they have become what others said that they should be, but they're not who God said that they would be. And so I personally, baby boomers, millennials, this other, I think that's a bunch of junk. And the reason that I do is because when the Bible talks about generations and assignments, he's talking about breakthroughs that come through people. He's talking about an increase in life, not a life of, of um, uh, entitlement, not a life of laziness, not a life of settling, and not even a life of being so capricious, picky, jumping around, never ever being rooted. You're being fruitless in your pursuits, and everything is me-oriented. Now, if that doesn't sound like a, a good way to, to perish soon, I don't know what does, because you're not anchored in anything. And what happens in the body of Yeshua is that the people of God keep trying to be friends with the world. And we came out of it because it was kicking our tails. I know a lot of former clubbers, people that was hanging, partying, doing all that stuff. I mean, did you ever see what your friends look like the next day? What was that on this Russian toe up from the floor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And then they're going to tell you, oh, but we had us a good time. Mm -hmm. I can't barely see. My hair is, some of it is someplace else. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, we're going to do it again. And they wear themselves out. I don't know about you, but I was done with my partying, which I, I just had to try to get in those clubs. You know, and I, at 18, I was too fresh-faced. They wouldn't let me in. So by the time I hit, I was faking it at 20, going in with some old people, the 25 and upwards, right? Going in with the old folks so that we could get in. And we always went early. And, you know, this was the lie you tell, oh, did I need my card? I didn't know. I didn't, I left all that stuff. You want me to go back and get it? But you wore something that had them say, nah, girl, just get on in there. Lay low, lay low. So there's anybody checking, because you know, I was 20, I wasn't 21. 21, I had my ID. That's the first time they flat, you know, asked for it. Look, the card, yeah, I'm 21, I can get in here. And you do that. Do you know when I retired from clubbing? You know how old I was? Um, 27. Wow. Because I wore myself out. Ooh. I was in there, we were in there Saturday, Friday night. Saturday night, Friday night was dressed out. We just going in the jeans and the and the um, you know your 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 cute top and your always the high heels and you know you're just going like that Friday night Saturday is gussy go oh yeah because Saturday you go to catch Friday you go to survey mm -hmm. <laughs> okay I tell it all okay I'm telling it and and. Um, Y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't do that today. Oh, that was that was a, another oh, back oh, in the day God. kind of thing. But we this was this was our way. And Friday night, I would dance with you if you wore tennis shoes. Saturday is a, is a it's a deal breaker. Oh, <laughs> he had to have shiny shoes. He had to look like he had some money, even if he didn't. You know, even if he didn't, because we got in the club before they started paying. You know, you can win out early, so that. When the door person came, so that you had to pay the entry fee, we were already in there, so we didn't pay nothing. That's it. That's the way you did it as a single woman. <laughs> okay, but what was my point? I wore myself out. Yeah. 
because I was pursuing a life of self-destruction, mm -hmm. self-indulgence. Mm -hmm. Self-indulgence, okay? And I was feeding my self-indulgent nature, which is an acronym, S-I-N, sin, my self-indulgent nature. And I was feeding it, and it was sucking the joy out of me, because, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I had people coming over to my house, they were down, depressed, and I need a drink. I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm low, uh, things are, I need a drink. And they always needed a drink at my house. Because they drink up everything at their house. So now they have to come to my house. That's when you learn to hide things at your house. I got one bottle. It has two ounces in it. That's all you get. Anything that you're welcome to go to the store and bring it and leave it here. But I'm not, I'm not supplying your depressing, your depressive state. Okay, why? Now, how is it that in the world I did not indulge your depression, but then when I get it in the church, I feel we're told you're supposed to baby each other and be gentle with each other. Yes, you are. Okay, but that doesn't. I'm gentle with you, not the sin. Not the sin. And I had the Holy Spirit speak to me uh, yesterday, and He gave me a word that hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. I felt like, I thought I was, I, I, am I not good enough, and did this, you know, there was all these emotions, and I kind of was keen in talking to him, and I felt like, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't, I, it was just like admiring his strength, because I suddenly realized, he didn't back down, he didn't apologize, he didn't say, my precious little poodle, I'm so sorry that you're hurting from this, what he said was, you need to step this up. You, this is this is not acceptable. This is not the level that you to be at because I, I have need of you. He didn't cater to my emotions because he's ministering to my spirit. And within my spirit, there was that, yes, come up here. Holy Spirit is like, I don't deal with your emotions and tiptoe around them. That doesn't mean he does not comfort us. That doesn't mean that when we're really hurting, the spirit of the Lord does not give grace to us. But he graces our spirit, not our flesh. We cater to our flesh. That's why we buy these pints of ice cream or, or these pints of whatever other kind of pints it is that you want. That's why we do the things that we do because we are used to, when I don't feel well, I cater to my, and I don't mean feeling ill. I mean I'm depressed, so I'm going to go on a shopping spree. I'm going to cater to my flesh. I'm going to indulge in all of these candies or donuts or uh, alcohol or movies or shopping or whatever it happens to be. I'm indulging my flesh because I don't feel good. You know, there's nothing wrong with shopping. There's nothing wrong with uh, eating your donuts or your cake. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. The problem is, is that we make them the substitute for God because we're living from a flesh place. We get offended at church when somebody speaks truth. We get offended because somebody tells you, you know, you've been this way for 20 years and it's time for you to stop. You always come in needing prayer, but you never pray for anybody. It's time to stop. Mm -hmm. And people say, I'm not going to that church anymore mm -hmm. because these people are rude. They don't care about me. It's like, you know what? It's not about not caring about you. It's the fact that the blood of Jesus is the blood you need to suck on because you're not going to take all the bars you're going to get. <laughs> We're not a society for vampires for you to come in and suck our blood. <laughs> we are a very blood-oriented place, but it's the blood of Jesus which never coagulates or runs out, okay? I only have so many pints in my body, and I'm not giving it all to you. <laughs> I only have so many nerves. 
I only have my personal self. I'm talking about a physical self. Anybody have extra nerves? No. No. And when people want to live <laughs> by the flesh, too many times we allow ourselves to respond in the flesh. You can't. You can't. Not if you go if they're going to pull from you, then they need to pull from your strength. Kristen, why don't you go to that book, uh, the books that Apostle Baker is recommending? I want to show you something. Um, we can skip mine and we'll go to the to the next one for a moment. Because this ministry, you know, we always get different books to read and uh, assignments. And Apostle Baker has assigned to us two different books by Apostle Barry Cook. And um, I thought they were up. Okay, so. One of them is called Establishing Your Course Through the Prophetic Anointing. I think that's the right book. Um, one of the ones, especially for the leaders to have, is called Mission Minded Leaders. And this is a book that uh, is Strategies for Effective Ministry. And this, is, this book, I feel, lines up with scripture that says that we no longer are children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of men, by which they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all things into Christ, who is the head, for whom the whole body is joined to fit together, and so forth. And I, I'm not going to try to quote all of Ephesians 4. But, um, but that's what this is. This is for those that have chosen to become sons, full-grown sons, mature sons, weos, uh, as opposed to remaining babies who always need you to pray. Now, the funny thing is, that's not a slam against babies, because my daughter started praying when she was three years old, because we made a demand. You know, you, you need to pray sometimes. It's not all about you getting everything. My daughter, at the age of three, with her skinny little legs and her cute little jelly shoes, was carrying a laundry basket that was probably in length about the same size as her body, because she could surely fit in it. And I would tell her, because at that time we were single mom and daughter, it's like, you know what? You're carrying this laundry. So there's her little body tilted back carrying that little basket. I've told you that story before. Because it's like, you're old enough to, to, to dirty these things. You're old enough to contribute to the washing of them. And I'm not carrying. We didn't have a wagon, so you're going to be it. Today, uh, she started fixing furniture and things for me when she was about nine years old. I tried. I've made, I've made two things over the years myself. Bought two kits and put two things together. Took a while, but I did it. And I feel like now I can lay off my hat, hard hat, I'm done with construction. <laughs> my daughter, she takes after her dad, who is, I think, my, uh, my former husband is brilliant in his ability to put things together and to figure things out. And I'm very blessed that, uh, you know, I got all the best parts of him in her. And she, um, she's able to do all this, so she, she fixes and she does. She uses her brain because she was encouraged at an early age. And I'm sure many of you, you have children, you do the same thing. Because I'm not going to let you sit here and be this little, um, this little tyrant that I go and do everything for. That isn't how we're supposed to be. God did not rate, even though he does, he wants to do for us and through us. But what he doesn't want is a bunch of spoiled little whiny children that are sitting there uh, boo-hooing that we need God to do all these things. And we're not going to do anything but sit and wait and say, you know, I'll just be here until you get back, God. And by the way, can you have the angels bring me a lemonade you know, while I'm waiting? And, uh, you know, uh, God, this is too much. You're expecting me to go out there where people are dirty? Or, God, this is too much. You're expecting me to do things that, why, why would you want to do that, right? No, that's, that's not who we are. 
not when we're adults. And no more do you come into church all the time. Uh, standing in the need of prayer. It's like after we pray, are you still standing? Mm -hmm. Did you stand at all? No. I sat down and waited for the prayer to happen. No, 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 no. Did you, once we release prayer for you, did you go pray for somebody else? Did you take of the anointing and the comfort with which you were comforted to go and comfort somebody else? Or did you go home and in, this, in a dissatisfied manner and start criticizing God and his people in your mind because this thing that you prayed about? You know, I had, the, they laid hands on me, oiled me up, greased me up, did all this other stuff, and I went home and nothing happened. Nothing happened. It's like, oh, something happened all right, but it's just not what you wanted. Right. You see what I'm saying? So there comes a time that you want to grow up. Here he says that we, we're carrying this treasure in, in, in these vessels, but this treasure is supposed to be, oh, we're supposed to be opened up for this treasure to be seen and touched and for it to be released amongst the people. What, uh, within ourselves and others. The second book, Establishing Your Course Through the Prophetic Anointing, I want to share a little something out of this today because it's actually in line, I think, with what we're talk what I'm talking about, kind of, sort of, in a little bit of a way. And so we'll get to a couple of things that are just in, in the first chapter. How many of you, most of you already have this book, so if you've started reading it at all, uh, what I want to come out of... It's going to be out of chapter one, but I'm not going to do it just yet. And if I don't get to it, because sometimes that happens, it's the chapter called Supply and Demand. And it's very different. I have a marketing degree. And so supply and demand means one thing in terms of marketing, but this is talking about it the way the kingdom has it. And I think that it's so much better because of, of what we're going to look at. Now here, staying in Ephesians, I mean, Second Corinthians 4, and this is not even the thought that I originally had that I know I'm going to get to. But I think it'll come when we look at the book. Um, it says, we're hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but we're not cramped or crushed. He says, we suffer embarrassment. Embarrassments are perplexed, unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Pastor Lindsay, where are you? Second Corinthians chapter 4, I'm reading the Amplified Version, and right now I'm at verse 9. It says, we are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but we're not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but we're never struck out and destroyed. These are some of the things that happen to us. And we're not supposed to be whining and crying and complaining and belly aching and quitting. Not now. More than ever before, this world needs us. It needs us to love. It needs us to cease and desist from, from flashing all these cute little posts in social media and then acting like a baby. Being weak. Okay, do I despise weak? No. What I'm saying is choosing to be weak when you could be strong. Crystal actually has a testimony, I think, of something along those lines. All the time you have this power and the authority, and you don't use it. Okay? I don't know if we're going to get to it, but I, it's something that you said that the Holy Spirit taught you. And I thought, see, there it is. Here in verse 10, it says, We're always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by it in our bodies. And if you're a member of this church, you know this is one of the scriptures I use for communion. And, and uh, it's something that really stands out for me. 
and verse 11, and I'll do that later. But it says, for he who, we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. What do you mean? I'm going to have to die to this thing. I'm going to have to submit to God here. I'm going to have to yield to God. I'm going to have to not uh, yield to my flesh. I'm going to have to not submit myself to fear. I'm going to have to not submit myself to torment. When torment comes, I'm supposed to submit to perfect love. Because fear has torment. Because if I'm tormented, fear is in it someplace. Second, uh, that would be what? Second John, third John, four? First John, four. No, four First yeah. John, four. Okay? In first John, four. Because perfect love. Perfect love. You're on verse 17, 18, 19. That's a real good place to camp yourself, okay? Um, so perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. If I have fear, if I have torment, then I am lacking perfect love. This is how you start to measure what the Word of God says. You're telling me about your lack, then we, we want to we wanna confront that. And we want to look at it and go, what is going on? There, I, I have people in, in, that I know because deaths are happening all over and we love our family and we get swamped with emotions. Fear is a prevalent thing. Why? Because that thing was unleashed by people in the body of Yeshua that were fueling something that the world released that we were meant to destroy. I have to tell you this. I have to say to you, don't be afraid of viruses. I am not telling you that this junk doesn't hit people. I'm not talking about that. What is worse than any form of sickness, disease, be it cancer or strokes or diabetes or anything, is fear. Fear is the, is the poison. Fear is the toxin. Fear, it leads to, it works with bitterness. It works with anger. It works with self-indulgence. Um, we may look at Ruth tonight. I know so many things are going on, and I, I get confronted with fear constantly. And what I have to do is be transparent with myself and whoever is around me. People say, well, you know, you shouldn't be that way because you're a pastor. It's like, I don't know what the rules are of a pastor. I, I haven't found the pastor rule book. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, because when they first told me God's called you to be a pastor, we were going to fight. <laughs> no, I am not going to be a pastor. Because have you seen what these people put up with? And I don't like people that much. That's how I felt. This is a lot of years ago. I didn't want to be a pastor because I didn't like the model. I didn't like the model. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be a part of it. I, I've always been apostolic. Even when I didn't know what apostolic meant, I kind of just caught into something right, right here. Because y'all not going to have me mowing lawns, washing your dishes, taking care of your family, doing all your hospital visits, doing all the praying for you, and doing this and doing this and doing this and wearing myself out. That's not going to happen here. I don't even do that when I'm raised as a mother, raising a child. So I'm certainly not going to do it for y'all. Now, I didn't say it that way. But I acted that way. And constantly, Dr. Baker, Apostle Baker, had to say, you have to love them. Why? Why do I have to love them? They talk about me. They're mean. Why do I have to love them? You have to love them. No, that's not a good answer. You have to love them. There's not, is this a pattern? That must be page one in the pastor manual. 
It's in all those manuals, okay? It's like, well, you need to learn how to be a pastor. I don't want to. I'll just model myself after you. But then I'd watch her and think, I can't do this. I can't do this. Holy Spirit said, but I can. I can. And you can do all things through me, but not apart from me. Do I love being a pastor now? Yes, I do. I love being a pastor in this church, in this season. Do I love the people? Uh, do I love the people of this church? Yes, I yes. do. Oh, oh yeah, y'all gonna take that. Yes, yes, yes you do. I, I do. I absolutely love you all. You know it. She'll come and That's what gives me the right to say the things to you that I say. Uh, do y'all talk about me? Oh no, Pastor, not us. No. No, no. Is this a look? Is this a look? We love you with the love of the Lord. We love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, we see Jesus all around you. We love you with the love of the Lord. Be gentle with us, Pastor, for we're sensitive people. And we hurt so easily. And if you don't, we could get mad. <laughs> Isn't that the childishness that we use? And I'm going to tell the people that are watching, that's not who the people of Stunning Love are now. That was uh, that was an old uh, paradigm, and that was when we I ministered from flesh. Okay, so sometimes I, I really I, I did not hate the people of this congregation. I, I never did. I didn't like people, so it, it was it's different. That that's temperament. That just happened to be about being around people. I didn't like people except for when those moments hit when I love everybody, you know. And but I dealt a lot with emotion. And it, it, just like the clubbing, just like going to the nightclubs used to be, when you try to minister, hear me very clearly, mm -hmm. from your flesh, you will wear yourself out. Yep. <laughs> you will wear yourself out. Mm -hmm. Because we're spirit. We are spirit. And we are not, the Bible says, to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because I promise you, if you feel like hitting them, and you operating in the flesh, you might have a blackout temporarily and wonder what why is Sister So and so on the floor? And what is my fist doing in their eye? <laughs> How did that happen? Thank God it's never happened here and never will. But do you understand what I'm saying? When you minister from the flesh, you will burn out, you will get tired, you will be prideful, you won't let anybody tell you anything. I'm I'm talking about what I used to do. And I'm warning the young ministers that are coming up, even if you're older than me. Somebody's got to be. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> We're the same. <laughs> even as you come up, um, no matter what your chronological age is, you can't afford it. Oh, come on, y'all. Stop that. <laughs> All right. Wait a second. Are you with me? Yeah, you to ask questions. Now, I'm going to get to this. I'm going to say what I was going to say, and then I'm going to get to the other thing, and then we're going to get to one more thing, and then we'll be done other than your questions that you asked. Look up what? Oh, yeah. So those are, I, I mentioned those. So those are Dr. Cook's books. Um, they're recommended reading they're, uh, for this house. They're available if you're part of this ministry in our local bookstore right here in, in the sanctuary, outside the sanctuary. And I think she has a few more left. Um, he's selling out fast. Um, and then otherwise, if we have sold out, you can find them on Amazon.com. But we really do endorse them. I love these books. 
I gotta say. Um, it's, and we're gonna go into one in a minute, uh, in a few minutes. Don't get me on timing. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get to it before we're done. All right. Um, Is she gonna go to Yes, da 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 da. So here it is. He says, thus death is actively organized, but life in you. I don't, when I pay the price to do ministry, as every single one of us will, death to who I want to be, flesh-wise, mm -hmm. death to my own opinions, attitudes, and uh, even death in one sense to everything has to wrap around the way I want it done. Mm -hmm. That death has to constantly be at work in me so that the light that I release, the life of God in me into to you. Death works in us, is actively at work in us, in order, in, in this one it says, but it is in order that life may be actively at work in you. We're supposed to give you the best. I'm not supposed to give you the mess of the world. I have a treasure that is hidden in this vessel that I am. And I am to give out of the treasure, never out of the trash. Okay, you in? And that's the same for all of us. When these men and women of God that I, I'm blessed to be around and to watch, and especially the woman of God that is down, that is oversees this house, and I get a chance to see the price being paid, it, it, it inspires me, stirs me to do the same. And then the Spirit of the Lord, who you know doesn't does not cater to my feelings, then His words start to resonate with me, and I think, well, then if I'm below par, then it's time to get to what I, I surrender, I submit. Because I'm going to be everything that you said. And you start to see, wait a minute, this means I get to unleash strength. Um, one of the focus words God gave you, because he gave me some acronyms, uh, once as a reward, that I just didn't know about. I'm starting to use it now. But he said, um, ferreting out confusion unleashes, unleashes strength. To ferret out confusion is to unleash strength. That's a focus, F-O-C-U-S, ferreting out confusion, unleashes strength. Yes, I have a copyright to a certain extent, okay? But I have to get the confusion out of me to release the strength. Whatever it is that we do in the natural, um, you know, we, uh, when you go into a marketing thing or you're consulting or when I work with writers, I have to get rid of, we gotta, ooh, we, we gotta get rid of the confusion. We gotta get into where, where there can be a natural flow of the words that you're putting together because your chapters may, you may be talking this way, but it may be discombobulated and we gotta put it back. We gotta put it in, in a flow that makes sense to your reader because if you chop, chop, chop and jump all over the place, unless you're writing something of that sort, it's not going to flow. If you're writing a story, you're not gonna be able to do that. It's, you're gonna have to connect these different things. If you're gonna build a house, if you're going to bake something or cook something, you know and I know, whatever you're doing, you've got to do your prep work before you do the other work. Okay, a clean kitchen is a much better place to prepare a meal and it's the only place I want to eat mine from. All right, you got 20,000 dirty dishes that, which nobody owns, I hope, but you know, you got a sink full of dirty dishes but you're getting ready to cook. To me, Take care of the trash, clean the dish, walk, put the dishes in the dishwasher, have soapy hot water, and clean the cleaning surfaces, and do everything you're supposed to do 
before you pull out any pan or anything else to serve. Definitely before you pull the food out, right? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that just that's that's the that's the right progression. It's orderly, and where there's order, there's going to be a lack of confusion. You come into somebody's house and they've got things jumbled here and jumbled here, kind of like my house is right down to some packing. But, um, you know, it's like, where is this? It's probably in that pile. If it's not that pile, it's that pile. If it's not that one, it's down the hall in the other room. That's a terrible way to live. I'm living that way temporarily because everything is in an upheaval for this short season. But I can't stand it. It, it, it absolutely just, I, I just, I hate it. I hate it. Because it's not life. It's not living, it's, but that's the way people live sometimes a Christian rule-ordered life. They live according to certain rules, and when chaotic things come, they don't have the power to fight. They don't have the ability to combat it with truth because they don't have truth. They have rules. They have rules, and they have an, a natural understanding of spiritual matters. A natural understanding does not release spirit power. Spirit understanding releases spirit power. Understanding the way the kingdom of God works, understanding the king himself, that's what releases the power of the kingdom. That's why a lot of people, well, I know that scripture, and I know that. You may know the scripture, but you've never let the scripture read you. And you've never let the scripture, the word, enter into you to do the work that it was released to do. It's, again, that ectopic, outside walk. You're letting all these words land on you, but you're not letting those words come from you, work in you, to flow out of you. That's where the treasure is. He said, in the vessel. So the treasure has to be opened within to pour out. But what we do is we say, give me scripture, give me scripture, give me scripture, and let it land. Like you're going to absorb it through your skin. No, you absorb it through your spirit. And it'll heal your skin. Is, are you with me? Mm -hmm. I know I'm going in a few different directions. But I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> he said, Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had, verse 13, who wrote, I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak, assured that he, and I could camp on verse 13, but since I only have a certain amount of time and battery apparently on this device, I can't. Um, assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. There, I'd like to sit there for a while too. Let me read it again. We are, we, we believe, we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak. That's a scripture that's a hallmark for me. I don't say this stuff to say it. I sure don't say it because I have nothing better to do on Wednesday. I believe this word. Mm -hmm. I believe this word from the inside of me. And I believe this word is life-changing. And I believe that when I speak this word and release this word with you, that it's spirit that I'm releasing. That God is hastening over to bring some things to pass. I believe this word. And so I speak this word. I speak this word in the face of everything else that is being said. I speak this word when they say there is no evidence of that word that you speak, but there is evidence of this sickness. There is evidence of this disease. There is evidence of this lack. There is evidence of this or that or the other. I don't care what there is evidence of there. I'm pulling from the unseen what has been said. 
and I'm not here to accept the circumstances as they are. I'm here to change the atmosphere and to bring about the circumstances God desires. This is what always is pulsating on the inside of me. Now, I hit a thing today. Let me give you this verse, and then I'll tell you this, and we'll go into uh, this book. Okay. He said, all these things are taking place. We are sure that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus, and he will bring us along with you into his presence. We're assured of this. We know that this, 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 this sellout is lifetime, is eternal, and it has a payoff that's bigger than we understand. We know that it means that we will be eternally in his presence. For all things are taking place for your sake, so that the more grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people, multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of God, so it reflects, it bounces, it goes to all these places. This is what you don't see, what, do, what does not fit your natural understanding is not as relevant as the fact that it fits the spiritual plan of God and your understanding will catch up with it because your natural mind is never going to get in front of God. You know, say, well, don't get ahead of God. It's like, no, you're behind. <laughs> How are you going to get in front of somebody who's everywhere all the time, all at once? <laughs> don't get ahead of God uh, where, where would I get ahead of God anybody, anytime it's not going to happen you know, when you have a little talk with Jesus and tell him about your problem troubles, whatever that's all that <laughs> that's all <laughs> or when you, I'm going to whine with Jesus, do a little bit complaining <laughs> just whatever your song is going to be, pluck, 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 pluck I did used to play those kind of instruments alright, um do you think he doesn't know? You think he doesn't? Lord, let me tell you something about my life. <laughs> I think that's a fun way to do it, but don't think, well, I'm so surprised. I didn't know that was going on with you. Oh, baby, why didn't you tell me? No, that isn't happening. All right. But it's going to be fun. Lord, let me tell you about my life. Okay. And then let me tell you about mine. His life. It would be a much better story in your drama. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, therefore, he says, here we go, verse 16. We don't become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, wearied out through fear. Oh, what? We do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. That's what it does to you. It causes your spirit to fail, meaning you just plummet. You feel hopeless, helpless, and all of these other things. And you worry and you're mad, mad at God because of, you know, or whatever. You're exhausted. You're sleeping mm, all it. the time. You can't get up. You say, oh, I don't have any energy. I, I, I must be coming down with something. It's like you're coming down with anything. I mean, you are entertaining something. <laughs> That's true. Okay. And you are wearied out. Fear will drain you like a spider goes after blood. Mm. It'll suck everything out. Okay? It's not supposed to have that. He says, but though our outer man is decaying and wasting away, I'm not aging personally. Um, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Why? Because it's feeding on spirit. Spirit, God's word, spirit, and 
then he said this, for our light momentary affliction, a slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. Oh, I want to sit there too, but I'm not, because this is not where I'm going. But he says, beyond, this is amplified, beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons. Isn't that something? His word, his glory, goes beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons. Oh, you mean it's like this? No. Well, the glory must be like this. No. Well, I know it's like this. No. It surpasses all comparisons. His presence surpasses all comparisons. You can only compare him with himself. <laughs> Come on. You okay. just That's like somebody right said, I just love my man. <laughs> I just love him. He's the bestest man on the planet. He said, oh, yeah, he, you know, what kind of things? He, well, he does this for me, and he does this, and he talks to me this way, and all the that. Oh, it sounds just like so-so. No. <laughs> my man does not sound like anybody else. You don't compare. When, some, when you got, when you got, you understand what I mean? When you have something that is the best and the special to you, don't, don't you try to cheap in mind with yours. <laughs> I've seen yours. No, he ain't nothing like that. Right? Oh, man, my woman, she's da 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 Oh, yeah, she sounds just like mine. No, she doesn't, man. Don't talk about my woman at all. I can talk about her. I tell you about her. Don't touch what I'm, this greatness of God. Don't try to reduce it to this earth crap stuff. <laughs> earth debris. <laughs> why? Why, why? why do you get all up in arms right now? You don't compare God. He surpasses. He's better than that. Oh, it's like, it's like a, no, it isn't. Better. Well, he's like, no. He's better. Better and even better, okay? Being surpasses all comparisons and all calculations. Don't try to figure him out. Your he is a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Now, see, he's about the only one I know that you can describe him like that and it fits. Somebody else, oh, he's transcendent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good Hey, baby, I want to be transcendent in your world. I'm sure you do, but I don't know how you, can you spell it? <laughs> if you can spell it, you may get a chance. And girl, if you tell them that, you better know how to spell it too. Because they can say anything. Transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. That's God. And he says now, and see, he just described, they just described this treasure. This is what we have. This is what we carry. He says that since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. When you know what you got, you don't look at anything else. You're spoiled for anything else. When you know you've got the best of something, they can't tempt you with the cheap imitations. If you really have a 10-carat diamond and somebody brings you a 24-carat cubic zirconia, you laugh. What do I want that for? But it's a bigger stone. It's cheap. Mm -hmm. I have the real thing. Right. Why would I want a cheap imitation? That's what your lives are like. Inside of us as believers, kingdom citizens, we have the real 
thing, the real, genuine power. We have the true access to God. We don't have to hum, mum, and and, 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 and look at some little glass thing and call for this. We don't have to bow to demons. We don't have to do any of that stuff. We don't have to walk in, in the fear of man. We don't have to do it. We've got the real treasure on the inside of us, but many of us, which gives us the identity. And many of us, unfortunately, we still want to live by the rules. And so we said, you got to live in reality and you have to face facts. And you're just going to have to be very realistic about things. That's so okay? See, because you have to have, say it with me, common sense if you're going to be able to get by in this world. Now, I know that the Bible says the things that it says, but some of that is allegory. It's like, do you even know what an allegory is? No, but I've heard it said. Some of it is poetry, and some of it is history. But, you know, some of it is this, and it's this, and it's this, and that's not applicable to this in your life. And when these things happen, you just have to know that you live in a real body, in a real world, and you don't have time for this other kind of ethereal, spiritual kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? You're going to die. <laughs> Let's just cut to the chase. You're going to die. Well, we're all going to die, yeah, but you may be sooner than me. And even if you live a long time, the quality of your life is going to be like vinegar. Tell it like it is. Was that too harsh? No, that's like a right Because I really have fun with that. We, have, we don't have time. It's like, I like pickles. I do. Um, we're on the hunt right now for my hamburger slice pickles. That's one of the things I can't eat. All right. So I like pickles. I don't like everybody's pickles. We have to be very distinct. And I, I even like the pickle juice. But that's not my beverage of choice. I like my vanilla macaroon tea and my homebrew coffee a lot better. Okay? And fresh water. Now, if I want a full glass of water on a hot summer day, and I don't even want anything in it except ice, and you give me an ice-filled glass of pickle juice, we're going to fight. <laughs> Or at the least, you're going to wear the pickle juice. Because I like pickles. And I even like the fact that the pickles are in the juice. But that's not my libation. That's not my drink. That's not my, my refreshment. Do you understand? I like the word of God. It's sweet. It's pure. It's clear. It's wonderful. It's not pickle juice. Some people, that's what they serve up, and they, that's their religion, that's their beliefs. They drink, you got to go through hard times, hard times, hard times. So what do you do about the refreshing in the Holy Ghost, times of refreshing? Do you ever have those? Not right now. we got to press. we got to press. Would you know what a refreshing time in the Holy Ghost was if it came to you, if, 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 if the time presented itself? I, I don't have time for these frivolities. Oh, now you're going into the high syllables. <laughs> Break that down. Right? All of this is ridiculous. I, 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 if it weren't, if people hadn't actually said this kind of stuff, I wouldn't bother. But what I'm saying is, see, you're so far into the rules, the law, that you're missing the spirit. Because in a 24-hour cycle, you can still have your time of refreshing when you step into the Holy Spirit. What a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, uh, Pastor Prophet friend of mine, he refers to it as after hours. <laughs> it's after hours. It's not the nine to five of your Christian life. It's the after hours. Mm. You know, 
talk about that later too. All right, so here it is again. He said, when you live in this, when you recognize what you have on the inside, when you're walking, when you're submitting, and believe me, dying to flesh is 24 7, 365. Um, surrender, dying to flesh is not, I got to die. I got to die. I got to die. die to what? I got to die to my flesh. Well, how are you going to do it? I don't know, but they told me it's what I got to do. Can I make a suggestion? Mom? Yes. Is this just submit to what God said? <laughs> That's how you die. Ah, oh, no. Yes. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. Right? No, I don't know what all that is. You're crying and you're dramaing, but you're not dying. Okay? Dying is submitting to what God said and letting that rise, letting the life of God come in to move aside from the beliefs that you and I have pulled from the things of this world. So we consider it and look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. That's how we're able to see what others can't see. That's how we're able to stand when others will fall. That's how we're able to speak when others will be silent. And that's why we're willing to look like fools when everybody else is going with the flow. You go with the flow, you're like flotsam and jetsam. It just flows. Trash flows down. We're going upstream. So we gotta go against the tide, against the current. And we have to push, and we strengthen, and we increase, because we're not willing to go down to the bottom, okay? We, we rule from a different place. We minister at the bottom. But we minister from on high, at the same time. We never get out of our seat. I gotta get in amongst the people, you do. But you better stay in your seat if you wanna see healing. Yeah. Yeah. You with me? Okay, I know we got questions in a minute, but ooh, okay. Wow, how did it get to be that time? Okay, let's do this quick. I just wanna show you one thing. I, I, I tagged a few things. I have a PDF copy of this particular book. But um, in this book, uh, Supply and Demand, what, uh, what this author said, he said that we are all reservoirs for the supply of the Spirit. And this is the second paragraph, first chapter, all right? He said that's why each one of us has something that someone else needs. Today, I had, he said, um, all believers, as well as those who are in ministry positions, have a supply of the Spirit. And you have to make a demand on the anointing on someone else's life. To put a demand on your supply, you've got to make a pull or withdrawal from the ministry gift. I had an incident happen. Uh, let me read a couple more. We've got to pull and draw, designed to pull virtue out of the ministry gift that's being poured out. For instance, when someone gives out a word from the Lord or operates in prophecy, we should not just sit back and say to ourselves, oh, that's nice. When we do that, we miss out on a blessing for our life because there's a supply of the Spirit that could be supplied to build your own faith, your own joy, and your own strength, mm -hmm. and to help you become more established and planted. That's why you have to draw from the Spirit. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. See, it's not my responsibility to make you draw. It's yours. Mm -hmm. It's not yours to make me. And then he, he goes on. He said well, about putting a demand on the anointing. And he talks about the woman that had to add that 12-year issue of blood in Matthew 9. And how she made that. She reached out. Jesus didn't even see the lady coming. He says, but she reached out and she made a demand on his anointing. You can pull on the anointing by your faith. It's not in the person. It's in the Spirit of God within that person. Okay, and what I want to say is I, I was reading that and it administered grace to me again um, because I had to do that today. 
I realized, and it goes back to the last thing, Alicia, what we were talking about. I realized that um, I was being faced with some things ministry-wise that were too hard for me. They were things that were so huge. And I, Sunday, I told part of a story. I shared about the book, um, Kingdom 101. Now you can go to that. And this uh, no uh, study guide that has to be done. Actually, there have to be two because I have to do the teacher's version too. But, um, or leader's guide. But what I failed to tell, what I, was, I wasn't telling that just to tell it. I was trying to say, when I got that apostolic um, knowing, that pull, that demand for it, I realized I can't do it by myself. And so God gave me a team. I had to have a team because it was, it's too much for me. Yeah, you do this, you do that. And when Alicia had asked that question, well, shouldn't that be easy? I had just come to a place where I recognized the price I paid. Sometimes you don't even know. You pay for stuff and then you get the credit card uh, bill. And you go, I paid how much? <laughs> I, didn't, I thought it was just this. And you pay a whole lot more than you thought. And I've just come to terms to recognizing that. And so that was what I was trying to say. It was too hard for me by myself. I need help. Mm -hmm. And so I called for it. Today, I made it, and so that's making a demand on the anointing of others, on the Spirit of God on the inside. They, um, I, I, I have to make a demand because they have the supply. And here, today, I needed some help in praying for something. And I recognize I don't have, I'm not strong enough. I don't go high enough. I, I, I can, but I haven't. And in this moment, my emotions, I feel a lot of stuff. And so I suddenly knew, wait, but you can reach out for help. And so I send a series of messages, text messages and so forth, to people asking for their assistance. And when I did, there came a release on the inside and a recognition. A recognition. I've just handed it over to the big, big, big boys and girls. Because I reached out to apostles. That's something we have in the ministry. We can reach out to a ministry gift. And because of what the call is on the apostolic, on the apostles, I know that they can, this calls for their touch. And they together, the power that I've seen unleashed through them is something that it gives me the same comfort as a child has when you call for your father to come and rescue you. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I knew that I knew that the burden that was too hard for me by simply saying I need help and pulling on that, making a demand on the gift that the kingdom of God steps forward and manifests in the situation. So I said all of that just to say that. Amen? Amen. Did this help? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're over time. Yes, anyway, yes. But I guess not as far as being online is concerned. I think we all want to know. Does anybody have? Uh, uh, no, write your questions down tonight. Or yes, we go offline and you get the, I can ask you questions, but I, I don't want to do the whole internet thing. Um, um, it's just that important not to be prideful, not to think because you're a certain something that you've got to do it all by yourself. 
you weren't called to do it by yourself. Because you're not the glory. The glory, you know, it's so funny. We go after outside glory. And so we lose sight of the inside glory. We already have all the glory we ever need, if you will, if you, if you follow what I'm saying. We have access to all the glory we'll ever have. But we, if we live according to the world, we want the world's version of glory. Because we don't recognize the treasure that we carry. You don't need the acclaim of man. Oh, I'm not telling you it's not fun to win an award. I'm not telling you that it's not great to have a best-selling this or a ticket sold out for that or the most popular is something. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not fun and enjoyable. But I'm saying that the kingdom and the glory belong to God. And since we carry the glorious one on the inside of us, if we're tapped into that, we recognize we don't need the outside stuff. And we're able to keep walking when it comes and be able to use the platform that God provides through it to do more of what God wants to do. I don't read book reviews. I don't read good ones. I don't read bad ones if it's something I've done. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I don't do it because I don't, I, if they say something great, that's good. If they say something bad, that's what they said. But I don't let that get into my spirit. Because I don't want to believe the press either way. I love your book. I'm so glad you do. What do you love about it? I'd rather get into the conversation with the person about what is ministering to you. Because if you tell me you love something about something God gave me, then when you start telling me about it, you're going to minister to me. Because you're not going to tell me what I said. You're going to tell me what God said to you. And then through you, I'm going to hear God. I want to engage with you. I don't want to lord over you. And as this ministry goes forth and it moves into elevation and all of the things that are happening, we will never be a show business ministry. We will never be a top lofty. Look it up for yourself. Top lofty. T-O-P-L-O-F-T-Y. That's our word for the day. One of. Okay. We'll never be a people that thinks we're that great. We're kind of a big deal. Isn't that the sign I have on my desk? I'm kind of a big deal. Except I'm not. That's how we think. Why? Because we humble ourselves under the hand, the mighty hand of God. Let him exalt us. And then we go low. You know what that does? If you build up high and then you flatten it down, you're creating a very strong foundation. That's what they've done in construction. They up, bam, hit it all the way. Pack it, pack it, pack it, pack it, pack it, until nothing can be moved. You see, so we allow this this word to rise in us, and then we risk getting our feelings hurt by the Holy Spirit because truth comes, and you find out, well, that balloon just burst. <laughs> I was just for a minute there, I was like thinking I really had it going on, and it's like, whoops, okay, there that is, it's gone. So I take the correction because I want the growth, and I want to be more intimate with the treasure in me. And he opens doors. We get to go places. We get to meet people. We get to, and sometimes we're the people other people want to meet. And I just, I'm surprised as you are. I say, like, you want to meet me for what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not the greatest conversationalist I am on a talk show, but you know, get behind the scenes and I'm not so much. Okay, <laughs> understand what I mean. It's, it's like, I want you all to understand this because as, as things are happening, and we are in our Kairos time. 
our moment, our God moment. There are a lot of things that are going to happen. Don't be impressed with you. And don't be impressed with each other. Let's be impressed with God working through us so that he can do more of it. And we can reach more people. And we'll see more salvations. And we'll see more deliverances. And we'll see more, we'll build more things. We'll get to build, help to build people. We'll get to expand territory, work with others, okay? Uh, yeah, single ladies won't be single ladies anymore. And same thing for <laughs> The singles. <laughs> Somebody had to break into a dance in the bathroom right there, okay? And you single men won't be feeling like, God, the only women I know are these sisters from church. This ain't for where mine. <laughs> no. I, I just want to encourage, and I want to thank the people that are joining us. Um, those that are a part of our house, they know we're going to uh, pray over and receive tithes and offerings and so forth. But I, I want to thank you all for joining with us tonight. And I believe that there was a word that was released that will help you. You can contact us. You can either write your questions on the page. Somebody's always monitoring that Facebook uh, commentary. And so if there's something that you're asking that you want to know about, then we are happy to help you with that. And um, um, I think that's really all I have to say. We'll be back on Sunday for our Biblical Solutions for Life. If you're in the local area, I, we invite you to come and join us because from 10 to 10 to 45, we spend time with the Holy Spirit, intimate time with the Holy Spirit. i got so many things I want to talk to you about, but it's going to have to wait for another time. I want to say thank you again. Um, we're pray, we pray over our offerings and stuff because I, I'm over time, so I want to stop. But we do pray. We, we speak the blessing of the Lord over you. I have mine here. I'll just hold that up. We speak the blessing of the Lord over you. We thank God for the multiplication of things happening in your lives, that the dreams that God has for you will come to pass, that his great pleasure in you will be seen, that you will break free of spirits of fear and doubt and torment, that you will be able to speak out to the Lord the things that are hurting you and you will receive, not just tell God, but receive God in those places. We want you free. We want you healthy, whole delivered. We want you to walk free of fear. You'll be surprised at how victorious you will be. I don't say to you that things won't come and try to attach themselves to you. I say that when you walk free of fear, they don't have any place to cling. I pray that you become so smooth that nothing of the demonic can find a place to hang on you. You'll become as Jesus. His blood will speak for you, all around you, in you through you and in your life. Your increase in finances, increase in love, increase in joy, increase in grace and mercy and all the good. Bitterness will have to depart from you because when you see the goodness of God in the land of the living, you will let go of unforgiveness. You will let go of bitterness. You will let go of torment. You will receive perfect love. I am Pastor Lindsay Lee of Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship. You have joined us tonight as we have chatted, or I've done all the talking. You may have talked back to me, but I didn't hear you. Um, but if you have questions, I want to know about it. And I want to thank you for joining us in the conversation that the Holy Spirit wanted to have, what we refer to as a kingdom conversation. We love you, and we want to say thank yes. you. Yes. Good night. Amen.